Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Are you going to go around the table, David, and talk about what you're grateful for? Uh, oh, that's a good question. We sometimes do something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I always feel like it's that's always done at the wrong time, though. Like, we worked all day to get the food ready mm-hmm. at this certain time, and the food's hot and ready, and we're all just famished. And then Uncle whoever, which was usually, that was my dad usually, would, well, yeah. hold on. Before we dig in, we need oh, to gosh. say a you know, 17-minute prayer, and then I'll share. And it's just like, mm-hmm. can we do that afterwards or a different time? Because I'm very hungry right now. Right. You just, yeah. So, so you can't, well, maybe you could do it at the same time then. And that's a good note for anybody who's in charge of the, or anybody hosting Thanksgiving. If you are going to do the, let's go around the table and say what we're grateful yeah. for, at least let people eat while you're doing it. Or maybe do that um, like between dinner and pie or something like that. I don't know. Yes. You'll be so much more grateful and happy if you're well fed and you'll be nicer. You won't be Jordowner like is, I am. Is that going to happen at your uh, Thanksgiving or is Mark going to give like some sort of, uh, speech of any kind no first of all we're going to mark's sister okay so we are not hosting remember my children spend this holiday with their dad so um i don't host i it's just just not my holiday and i'm perfectly fine with that because i usually work i've always worked being in media i usually work so we usually go somewhere else so it's a nice opportunity for someone else to host because i host a lot you know i host every shabbos i host all the jewish holidays so i host a lot um so yes, in fact, um, my sister-in-law, Deb, actually said she gave us instructions about something to think about, about sharing around wow. the table. And, I, and she said, I'm, I'm giving you guys a heads up that this is what you should be thinking about. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. But it's also good because sometimes people get put on the spot. Uh-huh. You know, when we, sometimes we do this on Shabbos. A gratitude or a thought or whatever. We go around the table and talk about it. Um, be, but it's good to have a heads up so you have an answer. I know. I kind of, I kind of like that actually. Then you got a little like nugget that. that you're ready to share at the <laughs> yeah, table. It's perfect. Can, right. More interesting while you're eating or between dinner and pie. Are you going to share with us That's later it. in the show what you're going to share at the table? I may. Okay. But let's do quick takes now. Well, Thanksgiving, of course, means lots of places are closed, like banks, government offices, and a lot of grocery stores, including Target, Sam's Club, Kowalski's, Trader Joe's, Aldi, Costco, all closed. Hy-Vee as well closed today on Thanksgiving Day. However, if you need to run out and get another pound of butter or gallon of milk or whatever you need, uh, Cub Foods and Whole Foods are among two of the groceries, a few others, but those are kind of the main ones that uh, will be open with reduced hours. So check before you go, but if you need to make a run, that's where you're going. Jordana, is this you? Are you the person that's, oh, no, we're on our way to the party and I forgot, fill in the blank, I got to run over to Cub real quick. Totally me. Ah, It is 1,000% (laughs) me. 
Yes. Like even now I'm thinking, oh my gosh, okay, when we go to Deb's, she told us not to bring anything. Of course, we'll bring Aviv or we'll bring, you know, a bottle of wine or we'll, uh, we'll always bring something. You can't show up at somebody's house empty handed even when yeah. they told you not to come. And I was even, I'm even going to bring a meal that I make for, for Mark and my, and, and for other people too, but like a vegan dish that we can nosh on. Um, but yeah, I, now I'm a little inspired. Oh my God, I got to tell my story, uh, about my, uh, to make a pecan pie because I do oh. a pretty good pecan pie. And now I'm thinking to myself, like, do I have pecans in the house? Do I, you know, so now I'm thinking, oh, I have some time this afternoon because we're not eating till late. So yes, it's good to know that Cub Foods and Old Foods are open because I may be running there and make a very last minute pecan pie. Wait, so you are going to at noon start I'm not right. yeah. baking, start shopping <laughs> for your Thanksgiving pie. You're going to start that whole process at yes. noon on Thanksgiving. I am bad at this. <laughs> when I'm not hosting, yeah. I feel liberated. I feel like, oh, that's no, it's so nice to be invited out and not be the host and to be invited to be a guest. So I feel so grateful for that. So no, I haven't thought about one thing to do. So um I got a great I, idea for I, you. While you're baking that pie, <laughs> why don't you just yeah. start sipping a little brandy on the side while you're baking that? <laughs> That's my st- great idea. I'm gonna have to tell my famous yes, Thanksgiving yes, story. <laughs> I, I promise I will do that. It is it is tragic and horrifying. <laughs> Maybe that's why I have bad feelings about uh, Thanksgiving because I have had a tragic Thanksgiving in my past, and I will share it with all of you uh, today so you can laugh at my pain because I can laugh at it too. Uh, there's a triple header in the National Football League today. It kicks off mm. with Lions and Packers just over an hour from now, actually. And Jordana, here's why I'm bringing this up to you: is that uh, me and the rest of Minnesota sports fans, Vikings fans, need your help today because we're in a conundrum oh because oh the Lions are playing the Packers. And let me tell you, okay. as a Vikings fan, uh, um, I, along with many others, I-, I hate the Packers about as much as I like the Vikings. So oh. we always want the Packers to lose. That's just a given if you're a Viking. But this particular week, like the Packers don't really matter, and the Vikings are trying to catch the Lions in the standings. So, oh. do we stick with our morals and always cheer against the Packers, or do we cheer for the Packers because it would be beneficial to our playoff run this year in this particular instance? It's a complex question. It, it really is, with years is- of history behind it, by the way. I mean, the Packers and Vikings are both expected to be contenders for the NFC North in 2023 this year. But the Packers are coming off a disappointing season in which they missed the playoffs, but are still considered to be one of the most talented teams in the league. And the Vikings are also coming off a down year, but have a lot of young talent and expect to be much improved. In the- okay, so could you tell it was from ChatGPT? Yes, because the Packers are doing terribly and they're not going to make the playoffs right off the bat. Uh, David, there's no right or wrong question to the answer of whether or not Vikings fans should root against question the Packers. The it's a personal decision and should be made based on the individual fans' own preferences. Okay, so I, I was doing a BART, a Google BART, <laughs> which is my favorite uh, AI that's terribly wrong yep. on all levels. But wait, um, give, give me the example again because should the Vikings fans well, root for the Packers? Yeah, the Packers are, are like um, decades-long arch rival who we right, despise and do yes, not yes, like, yes. so we always cheer mm-hmm. against the Packers. But today, they're playing the Lions, who are the team that we're actually fighting for a playoff right. spot with in the uh, in our division. So if you're just looking at the numbers of this season, we should be cheering for the Packers today to beat the Lions. Yeah, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So you so... think we should all be Packers fans today? I think you should. 
Okay. I mean, unless, of course, the Packers have personally violated you, which I don't know that they have. Maybe the years of hating them. <laughs> it sure feels um, like has they have. <laughs> inbred something. Yes, but I do believe you have a common enemy, which is the Lions. So I believe you can unite at least for a day, um, unless there's a true moral or valid reason for the hate. But it's football, so I don't think there is. Right, that the, goes go out pack. to all the fans that are uh, about go to pack. sit down and watch that game and ignore their go fans. Pack. Uh, holiday uh, shopping season is here, and Yeti is once again turning heads. Uh, Yeti is out with a ice bucket that comes with a, a a scoop. The scoop is sold separately. There's a picture there on your show oh sheet, Jordana, of the Yeti yeah, ice bucket and was. scoop, and it's just a. I mean, it's like an ice bucket that you would have at a, a hotel, bucket. but it's larger and insulated and a lid and a handle. What do you think that sells for, Jordana? Just an ice bucket. Uh, the yeah, I, I mean, I know like this Yeti is a big brand for water bottles. So what do I think this ice bucket is? I mean, I'm going to say like 85 bucks. That ice bucket is $150 and the metal scoop that goes with it is 50 so that oh, whole thing—it doesn't even come with the scoop. No, it doesn't come with the scoop. Scoop sold separately. Oh, um, and what it's just—I mean, it's like a bucket that you—you know—you scoop the ice out for your cocktails, or you could put maybe like three or four beers in there to keep cold if you wanted. What are we doing? <laughs> this is why people hate America. A hundred and fifty dollar ice bucket. I mean, it's not even like fancy or no. anything. It's very industrial it's looking. It's blue yeah. with a you know a steel handle. And it's just a steel scoop. Oh, America. It's just ice. I mean, put it in an old trash can or a cooler. Or a, I mean, come on, David. How many things do we have in our house that can be used as an ice <laughs> yes, bucket? Yes. Improvise, uh, friends. You don't need a $200 plus dollar ice no. bucket and scoop. Yeah. See? I'm not giving thanks for that today. Uh, finally, on quick takes here, Jamie Foxx is being sued for alleged, alleged sexual harassment by a woman. Uh, it was an incident in 2015, and she claims that he groped her uh, late at night uh, oh after an encounter they had. Now, I, I'm not going to get into all the details of this story, and it's it's just out today, and we don't know a lot of the background. My question for you, though, is... Jordana, what should be our first reaction? We've lived through the Me Too movement and then a little bit of backlash from that where we go, okay, we need to wait and get some facts on cases like this. If you're a person who maybe appreciates Jamie Foxx's work, what should be your initial reaction to that headline this morning? Wow. It is so hard to have an initial reaction to this. And, you know, David, I think you actually put it perfectly. We had the Me Too movement, which is, of course, believe women, and I mm -hmm. do believe women, mm -hmm. but, you know... This, these are still accusations. Yeah. I think the initial reaction should always have been get the facts. You know, not that we disbelieve women and, and the initial reaction shouldn't be, oh, prove it, prove it, prove it. But there need to be, um, I, I agree if you're going to accuse somebody of this, there needs to, to be some kind of evidence, I guess, to, to back this up. Maybe that's a story, but, you know, we need to hear facts about that. And I always thought that it had to be that, you know, if you accuse somebody of an, of anything, it's really hard to accuse them without any basis for the accusation. So as it always should be, we should, yes, believe women, but also there needs to be, especially if this is a criminal case, you know, there needs to be some kind of evidence of wrongdoing in this case. And 
I don't know that we get to have a reaction. This is between Jamie Foxx and the woman that he, uh, you know, may may have assaulted or that he is accused of assaulting. And I think we need to wait and see, um, but but not attack her, you know, for saying it. Like, that's what I think the problem was. Our initial reaction in this country was not to believe women initially. And I think that that is where the pendulum should have swung instead of, you know, accusing people of baseless accusations. Uh, So that's, yeah, I did. I did hear about this last night. I was, you know, I'm always surprised when somebody um, who, when we hear about these accusations, but yes, we need to understand that this could have happened. um, And we need to also have faith that hopefully there will be some truth surrounding these accusations. A couple of texts here before we go. Jor, we should be hoping the Packers have a good day to beat the Lions. Okay. And also, despite Jordana's astute analysis of the NFL, (laughs) I think the fight... I know it is, right? (laughs) Thank you for playing my game with me. Uh, This texture continues. I think the Vikes should salvage what little sanity we have and be Switzerland. Then again, the enemy of of my enemy is my friend. I shrug, they say. I, I understand, friends. I understand this is a Sophie's choice about whether who who to root for today. Switzerland is a, a good option, but sort of a sort of a cop out, right? Uh, if we when we come back, I think we have a little time before uh, we are going to play for you our next interview at ten thirty. We are going to uh, hear from Chief O'Hara, who we spoke to last week. But I do have a pretty tragic Thanksgiving story. That for 10 years, David, I think I have retold on the air because I've been working here 11 years. You, you, you'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll understand why I'm not the biggest fan of Thanksgiving. Next. It was Thanksgiving 2011. My husband of 15 years had just left me. I was devastated. This is my horrific Thanksgiving story. I hope you enjoy it. I tell it every year. Um, I was not even working at WCCO Radio. I started working there at, in 2012, so the next year I could start sharing this story. It's Thanksgiving 2011. It was my very first year without my children for Thanksgiving. They, you know, I was newly divorced or separated, and uh, my children, at, we, as holidays go with divorced people, they have to go, you have to split holidays. So it was my first year. <clears throat> I was working for Paul Douglas. I had offered to go in in the morning so the meteorologists that were working for us could go have holidays with their family. So I was doing like the job of everybody at Weather Nation. I had gone in early in the morning. I had met Mark. We had been dating maybe three weeks, like literally not even a month at this point. And he said, you're going to come with me to my family for Thanksgiving because uh, I had nowhere to go. You know, my children were gone. I, I was alone for the first time and, and I was working. So I said, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. But he somehow convinced me that I was going to go to his family's Thanksgiving. I agreed. And I said, I, I hadn't met his family yet, but I said I was going to uh, bring a pie. I make a decent pecan pie. So I was going to bring that for dessert. So I go work at Weather Nation. I come home. It's probably like noon or whatever. I worked all morning. I went in at like 3 a.m. to do a a shift. And I start making the pecan pie. And my Uncle Mike's recipe with pecan pie calls for rum. I didn't normally keep rum in the house, but I bought some and I had prepared in advance. I start making the pecan pie. I start adding in some rum. I was like, hmm, let me taste this. I start tasting the rum. This is delicious. Okay. So... I'm putting more rum in the pie. More rum is going into Jordana. 
some more rum in the pie, more rum to Jordana. So the pie and I were now sharing a bottle of rum. It was going better for the pie than it was for Jordana. At some point, as I put the pie in the oven, I realize it's very quiet in my house. I had three children. I had a house in Eden Prairie. I now was alone. And it was awful. As anybody who knows their first holiday after a death or a divorce or some kind of a tragedy is awful. And I just start crying. I'm, there were probably tears, by the way, in some ingredients of the pie. Because also now, remember, I'm loaded. I, I don't normally drink rum. It's noon. You know, I'm drinking rum alone making this pie. So I'm drunk. I'm sad. I'm crying. I go up to my bedroom and I just get in the bed and I'm laying there. And at some point, Mark comes to my house to pick me up for the Thanksgiving dinner with his family. The pie is out of the oven. The pie came out great, by the way. I wouldn't know because I never ate a slice of it, but I believe it came out great. I am literally in the bed. He must have known the code to the house, even though we were only dating like a month. He comes in and he's like, what are you doing? And I was, ah, I can't go. I can't be a person. I'm not a person. I, I, I can't go. And I had never met his family. Remember this. He's like, get up, get dressed, and we're going to Thanksgiving. And I try. I tell him, I'm a, I'm a mess. I'm a disaster. You're absolutely not. You can't take the pie and go. You go. That's my contribution. Jordana, get your ass up. Put on some clothes. Pull yourself together. We are going to Thanksgiving. For some reason, I let him convince me that this was an okay idea. I managed to wipe the tears, change my clothes, brush my hair, grab the pie, and we go to his Aunt Carol's for Thanksgiving. He handed me a glass of wine. I am meeting people. At some point, I realize this is, I, I, I can't do it. I cannot do it. This is an untenable situation. Before the food is even served, I go to the bathroom and I call with my wine and I call my friend Julia and I end up crumpled on a heap in the corner of the bathroom. It was a lovely bathroom, by the way, crying and saying, oh, my kids aren't here. I'm divorced. I don't even know these people. I'm crying to my friend Julia, who's in Florida, and she's trying to talk me off my ledge. I am in the bathroom at this point for probably an hour and people need to use the bathroom. Mark's mother knocks on the door. Uh, dear, are, are you okay? I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much. Mark knocks on the door. Jor, are you all right? What's going on? I'm like, I can't, I can't be here. I, I, I can't come out. He's like, People need to use the bathroom. I'm saying, tell them to go upstairs. Sorry. They have to go use the primary bathroom. I, I, I cannot leave this room. I, I, it, it was a long story. I missed the meal. They served the meal without me. Nobody used the bathroom. I didn't get to meet any of the people. I don't even think I met Aunt Carol, whose home it was, and Uncle Archie, whose home it was. They were there. Finally. Again, a knock on the door. Hours, friends, I am in the bathroom. Mark goes, uh, Jor, we should go. And I'm like, thank you, God. I open the door. He has my coat. I open the door. I run from the bathroom. Thank God it was close to the front door. Out 
into the street and then I proceed to yell at him. Because, I mean, he was trying to protect me. I proceed to go, I told you this wasn't a good idea. I'm not a real person. I can't believe what you made me go to this. I'm awful. Now they hate me and they're never going to talk to me ever again. And I just, and he, 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 God bless Mark and God bless him to this day because he's a real person and I was not a real person. He took me home. He put me back in the bed where he found me and he left. He is my husband. Years later, we were married. Thank God to this day, we are still married. I mean, babe, that was probably, you know, that's already 12 years ago. It was 2011. I asked him to come up to this room to see if I was telling the story accurately. I'm now handing over and relinquishing the mic. Mark, is that story true? It's absolutely true. Uh, the story is absolutely true. Um, but there's parts to the story that Jordana didn't know. Like, for example, um, you know, we're all sitting at this beautiful dining room table. There's about uh, uh, 15 of us. Um, and they're all asking me, well, they're asking me questions about Jordana. <laughs> Does she have emotional issues? <laughs> Uh, are you sure this might be the one? Uh, sure you don't want to, you know, like go out with some other women? Uh, and, uh, and they're all like whispering, you know, because, you know, Jordana's really not too far away. Um, and I, of course, defended Jordana the whole way. I said, you know, she just got divorced. She's all alone. And she's just, she's, she's in a funk and she can't get out of it. So. That was basically what we were talking about. Um, she actually did meet Aunt Carol and my Uncle Archie. Um, God rest his soul. He just passed away this year. Uh, but uh, that's a true story. And and she'll tell it again next year. <laughs> and thank Mark. Mark, I love you, honey. He's the best husband ever. He's stuck with me uh, and still married me. And we're going to, and Aunt Carol will be at the uh, dinner later tonight. So I, uh, they, they can give their version of the story. But I tell that story every year because sometimes holidays suck. If you are in a place where you are going through a hard time, or you have lost a loved one, or maybe if you're sick, or a divorce, or something like that. Sometimes holidays are really hard, but they do get better. And these are better. There have been better days since then. There have been much better Thanksgiving. I, I laugh about this story now. Crumpled in a heap on Aunt Carol's bathroom floor was not a good day. But they forgave me. They love me now, I think. And they do get better. So my thoughts always go out to people that are having a hard day on holidays because I want you to know you're not alone and holidays are hard, but they do get better. We'll take a quick break and be back here on CCO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. By the way, thanks for letting me share my story. And I see some of your texts here. Uh, Jordana, this is my first Thanksgiving alone after a breakup. 
Also my birthday on Friday. So happy birthday. I decided to spend it at my favorite place in the North Shore of Lake Superior. Thanksgiving buffet at the Bluefin Bay. It's hard as I've always been with somebody. No rum, but bourbon. (laughs) Enjoy your day. Bourbon will suffice, my friend. And you know what? Thank you for sharing. And it does get easier. I've heard yeah. you share that story a number of times, Jerks. I ended up, yes. even before we worked together, I ended up filling in yes. a few times on Thanksgiving for you. <laughs> and the reason I love that, I mean, it's a hilarious story, but the reason I love that story today is it is a reminder that for some people, Thanksgiving is really hard. I talked to a, a gentleman last week and, you know, it was, oh, what are you looking forward to Thanksgiving? And he's, uh doesn't have family around and he's not excited mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving because it's a lonely day. I get it. For some people, mm-hmm. another friend, uh, it's their first Thanksgiving since the passing of the, a loved one. And that's hard, that's too. Right. And I think especially when the general theme is, oh, we're all celebrating eating, it's great. And if you're not in that place, it can be mm-hmm. really difficult. So I think that's a good reminder for all of us that, you know, hopefully most of us are celebrating today. But for some people, it can be a very, very difficult day. can be challenging. I just want to read a couple more of your texts before we get to... Um the police chief's interview. Uh, thank you, Jordana and Mark. It's from Michelle from Marine. She says, better than Alice's restaurant story every Thanksgiving. Have a happy holiday. And I do want to show this one out loud. Um, thank you, Jordana. I lost my daughter, Jamie, in May. Her 47th birthday will be next Saturday. So we have that plus all the holidays without her. Your story is so touching and your kind words about how tough holidays can be deeply touched me. Barb, I love you, Barb. Barb, I love you too. Um, and I just want to say Jamie's name. Uh, Jamie was a beautiful daughter, and I'm so sorry that she was lost so soon. Um, celebrate her birthday. Celebrate the time you had with her. And I am so sorry that this is a hard day. Uh, and I, I have no words to offer any more comfort other than saying Jamie's name on the radio and having you here Um how lucky she was to have you as a mother. So thank you for sharing, Barb. And uh, thank you for reminding us that a little extra kindness and gratitude for the times that we share together and have had in the past is important today. Uh, The tough transition, but thank you. You know, thank you. We do have hard conversations here on the radio as well. So thank you all for sharing. I'm with all of you guys today. I hear you. Wednesday, Wednesday, we spoke with Chief Brian O'Hara from Minneapolis uh, Police Department because, boy, he um, is he's got a hard job. He really, really does. I'm going to share with you some of his thoughts. And we, we started talking to him about the plan to incentivize incoming existing officers that keep us safe, that kept us safe at the Turkey Trot downtown this morning. And this plan was recently shot down by the city council. I understand, uh, you know, some of the council members had frustrations with how they learned of the process and, and kind of how it was rolled out. Um, but for me and for the police officers that are here, um, this is something that had been spoken about with them over the course of months. Um, it's something that several months ago there was first a proposal before the union. Uh, so that the cops have been hearing about this for months while they continue to watch the department get smaller. Um, so, well, of course, we respect, uh, you know, the political process and how things have to work out. It's clearly something that's uh, frustrating, to say the least, and just disappointing for our members. 
Hey, Chief, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it. So tell us about that. You know, it, it's frustrating for the, the the police. It's frustrating to see their numbers dwindling. How are you guys doing it every day on the street? What are your greatest challenges and what do you need the people of Minneapolis to know to so you can get the funding? This is a forum. Tell us what's going on because we're not in the city council meetings, at, you know, always. What do you need? So, so the department is about 40% smaller than it was just three years ago. Um, and that is not evenly distributed across the ranks. So obviously different units uh, had to collapse and disappear. Um, and some components are smaller uh, by 50% or more than they had been just three years ago. So how, thing, how are we getting by? Um, it's just by the resilience of the, the, that 60% of the department that remain here. Um, I feel like at times there's been, you know, uh, in some ways, incentives for some of the members to leave. And many of them have left for various reasons. Um, just, like, just like so many residents here, it's been incredibly traumatizing uh, to live through the destruction of the city uh, and things that have happened. Um, and, and frankly, they've just been up against uh, a lot of negativity um, and have just been struggling with a lot of negative mindsets. Um, and, and I think the reality is this is the toughest job in policing in America today. I mean, they're clearly overworked, um, you know, understaffed, and certainly uh, under the highest level of scrutiny of officers anywhere. So it, it, it's difficult, um, you know, with all of that negativity um, to, to tell folks that they need to still, uh, need to still be here when there's in some ways incentives for them to go off and do something else completely or go to, quite frankly, go to another agency and an easier job. Uh, but I think a lot of our officers, uh, you know, have, have, have gotten good perspective. I think they're incredibly dedicated to the people uh, of this city and to each other because we can't all leave because then, you know, who's going to be here for the 400,000 residents and who's going to be here for each other when another officer calls for help? We're talking to uh, Minneapolis Police Chief Brian O'Hara. And the deal that was announced last week, it, it pulls from a, a, some state funds, $19 million pool of state funds, that would give $18,000 to eligible officers over the next two and a half years, as well as $15,000 in incentive bonuses for new hires. Uh, talk about that money, and uh, would that be enough to keep a lot of these officers you're talking about uh, in Minneapolis, keep them from going to other communities? Well, I mean, frankly, I don't think it's enough. Um, it's something. I think it will keep some people here. Uh, but I think the reality is that, uh, you know, th- this, is, this is the most difficult job that there is. Um, and, you know, we need to ensure that the pay uh, reflects that as well. You know, the contract's been expired for almost a year. I know that's been very frustrating for our members. Um, but... You know, I, I think this is something, it's an initial step. I know when we were first talking about incentives to get people here, uh, the number was much higher. Um, this, is, this is what the agreement uh, has, has been, you know, became between the city and the federation. Uh, I'm confident that it will keep some people here. I know, uh, you know half a dozen officers that were talking about possibly coming over uh, from other agencies, specifically if this went through. So I know it's something. It's not going to solve the, com- the problem completely, uh, 
Um, but we got to realize, like, we are at a crisis point in staffing, and we just got to start taking taking actions. Uh, staffing and also policy. I just want to move to this case um, about Cecil Wayman. Minneapolis police pulled over this guy for a broken headlight. And while he was driving home, this happened back in August. And the reason we're talking about this case is because um, in a search of the vehicle, there was a firearm that he yeah. wasn't allowed to have. OK, and he was yeah. charged with being a felon because he was a previous felon as well as on the uh, level three sex offender list. Wasn't allowed to possess a gun, uh, but he did have one. The case has since been dismissed and he was yeah. released from jail because... The, the new rule is that police are not allowed to pull over cars for just a broken headlight. Protectional stops. Yep. Yeah, protectional stops. So do is this change in policy making your job a lot harder? And I just want to hear your thoughts on that case. So for, first off, you know, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to try and bring some facts into this situation. Yes, it's very frustrating. You know, the Star Tribune and other media outlets here are very reckless when it comes to facts. A lot of times it seems like they have a story, they have a narrative written, and then they like to pick and choose which facts they want to insert to uh, you know, get the perspective. It's almost like you're reading an opinion piece and not actual news. So we have a settlement agreement, which some people call a consent decree mm-hmm. with the state. It is very specific on how the city must implement the requirements of that agreement. Those requirements to be not, do not become mandatory and binding by magic overnight. The city is required to go through a process of community engagement, get feedback, get policies drafted, then ultimately approved by the, by the MDHR, by the city, and then again presented to community before then training is developed to actually implement those policies. So when we read this article that the Minneapolis police, three days after the settlement agreement was signed, violated the rules, that's a flat-out lie. And it's a shame that there isn't more of an interest in trying to get facts out because it's very, very specific in the settlement agreement of how we are supposed to implement the requirements of that agreement. That being said, it is totally upon the prosecutor's office here, the county attorney's office, on how they want to, how they want to charge, how they want to bring justice in individual cases. And it's their decision if they feel like uh, for whatever reason, they don't want to charge or they want to dismiss charges. That is their decision to make. But it is totally disingenuous to try and assert that those police officers violated the settlement agreement as if those conditions became instantaneously rules overnight. I agree with you 100%, Chief. I read that article yesterday, and I, I saw that. I said, okay, this was three, da- three days after it, it was made. And look... It, it is clear that policing needed and needs to change in Minneapolis, and I get that. And I know those rules are put in place for a reason, but that's what I thought when reading that. It's like, you know, you don't just flip a switch, and every officer in the department knows exactly what the new rules are. Furthermore, I look at this case as, okay, this is the poster boy, for lack of a better word, that we're using as a as a right. as, as an example of somebody who – was wrong when, you know, God forbid... He has forbid, a violent criminal history, Adam. God forbid something happens with this guy in the future. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, well, then some, some other folks would have to answer for that. Yeah. And also, Chief, you mentioned, you know, media outlets not being interested in the truth. We are. And, and we're glad right. you're right. joining us and talking about this because you're right. 
facts can get skewed and there are often nuances. And we are seeing a lot of crimes maybe go unprosecuted or under prosecuted in Minneapolis. And I don't know that this was the backlash that people wanted from the fallout of the murder of George Floyd. I mean, it's a work in progress. And I know there is a lot to be done, but this did seem like an egregious um, uh, maybe failure of putting a criminal back on the street. Yeah, I don't know uh, all the facts of that case. I know what I read. I know, that, you know, obviously was, uh, the issue was raised about the settlement agreement, so I can only speak to, you know, what I am aware. Uh, and again, that's uh, th- those are decisions that are for prosecutors to make, right. not for police officers, but to try and say that we violated the consent decree, the settlement agreement, or that we're not playing by the rules is just ridiculous. Uh, lastly, Chief, uh, before we let you go, and I know you've uh, talked to the Star Tribune about this case and, and to others, but this is the first chance we've had a chance to talk to you since the decision last week. Just let our listeners know why Amy Linson is the right person to head the homicide unit. You know, given her past, it was brought up that she sent a, a forwarded an email back in 2012 that was racist. Mm-hmm. And do you feel that, you know, promoting her, putting her in that position goes against efforts to make the department accountable if people see it that way? No. Um, so the email was sent, I believe, March or April of 2012. Um, she was not the only person that is an employee of the city or the police department that was involved in that. Um, there are probably a couple dozen others uh, employees that were involved. Uh, she was the only person who actually forwarded the email. Um, and it was very clear in my reasoning uh, when I, I, I you know, uh, resolved the case with a written reprimand seven or eight months ago. I did so intentionally so that written reprimand would be public. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time when I issued it, uh, Dina Winter from the Minnesota Refor- Reformer covered it, uh, yeah. you know, very, you know, very, very, very matter-of-factly when I did. Um, and, and my issue with that was, you know, essentially this to me is a case of group behavior um, that we're obviously single- singling out one person. She had been suspended from duty for over a year. Um, and, you know, I, from everything that I saw, you know, she had been promoted years ago. She's mm-hmm. been a lieutenant. Rondo is the person that made her a lieutenant. So yep. for the paper to say she was promoted is another lie. Um, and she continued to have, you know, an outstanding career over the course of the decade. You know, the, the whole purpose of discipline is to correct behavior. Mm-hmm. The email that she forwarded was insensitive. But that's all that she did. She forwarded it one time, which is also not what the, the Star Tribune initially printed. She forwarded it one time without comment. And it does not erase the now 11 years of her career that she's had since then. Uh, and that the fact that she has been an outstanding employee. And the vacancy over, over homicide has come because, again, we've lost 40% of the department. And I chose to promote to the rank of commander our most senior police officer, Richard Zimmerman, who is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, the community loves him, uh, and he's just an incredible role model. He should have been promoted years ago. So mm-hmm. because I promoted him, there was a lieutenant's position now vacant in homicide. So what I did was Lieutenant Linson had been shooting this, supervising the shooting response team. I told her from now on, you got to supervise both. So I gave her additional work because uh, shooting investigations are almost the same as homicide investigations, except, you know, the, obviously the person dies. The victims, the, the circumstances are all very similar. So she is the best person the department has uh, for the job. She remains an employee in good standing. And quite frankly, she got, she got additional work, and the city should be getting our money's worth out of her. And I think she's the best person for the job. 
That was Chief Brian O'Hara, MPD chief. Um, I love talking to the chief because I think he does some straight talk. And when you ask him a question, I real I know he can't answer everything that we ask, but I really feel like he always tries to be truthful with us and just sort of give us uh, the straight facts from his perspective. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back on CCO. Linda's construction time check is 1056. It's time to request a complimentary heat map analysis to see if your home is as energy efficient as it could be. And friends, it's cold today. So if you're feeling the breeze or you're feeling a leak, windows are getting a little creaky or you got cold spots in your house. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, could be, um, Paul says it's not going to be as bad as other winters, but who knows? You never really know. Uh, when we get back, coming together as a compromise is so hard in this country. That's why we're so stressed out about Thanksgiving dinner conversation. Former Representative Scott Klug um, has created an organization to get people to talk to each other civilly again. We are going to hear from him and how he plans to do it on his podcast next after the news on CCL. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.